A couple centuries ago, Samuel Chadwick said, more than anything, what the devil wants to do is stop the church of Jesus Christ from praying. Because he knows that that connection to Jesus is where the power is. So let's just start right now with prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. There's so much going on, but we want to give you praise and thanks for your goodness, for your grace, for the hope that we have beyond this life. I pray for everyone who's on the front lines of this, nurses, doctors, everybody in the hospitals, the EMTs, the folks that are working in restaurants, uh, grocery stores, uh, everybody that's out there, Father, putting it on the line, we pray for them. We pray that as a people that you'd bring us peace. I pray for the person right now who's ready to give up and quit, that they're willing, that they're thinking about suicide, that you'd put an end to that, that they would reach out to somebody right now. They would respond to the service online, whatever they have to do. Because God, when we pray, we connect with your power. And that's what we need right now more than ever before. So we seek you because we know that you and you alone, Jesus, are the creator, the sustainer, the savior of the world. So we come to you and we ask for help. Amen. Amen. We're so glad that you're here and that you're there and wherever you are, we're just glad that you're connecting. And I know everybody's getting tired. I get that. Uh, hang in there. We're going to keep trying to encourage you as best we can. We're going to pick up a new series called The Prophets. And we're picking up where we left off uh, after, well, before Luke, we, we did a series on Elijah. We're going to pick up now with Elijah and Elisha. There's more miracle stories. And so we're going to spend the next eight weeks looking at some more of those miracle stories because they really speak into a culture that was going through a hard time, times of famine, times of of drought. They were going through all kinds of hurt, some by their own choice, some divine judgment. It doesn't matter. They still had to go through it. Now, of all the things that have gotten canceled, you know, the baseball season, the basketball season, uh, you know, racing we've been waiting on, apparently that's going to come back. But the National Spelling Bee gets canceled. Are you kidding me? The National Spelling Bee, where these Ten-year-old kids come out and they spell the hardest, most difficult words that are out there. It's crazy, right? You've watched that. Well, so I got to thinking, what are the, what's the easiest word to spell? And I found out that the word is icy. And now I see why. Oh, come on. Surely somebody's at home laughing. Tom, are you in the room laughing? Yeah, there, there see? I have, I have a laugh track right here. You know, i got a neighbor, Tom, who is a known thief. Everybody in the neighborhood knows he's a thief. I drive by his house the other day. He's kicking his door in. And I stopped. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm working from home. See? Just join Tom's laughter. Just join on in. Listen, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 1. I'm going to give you just kind of an abbreviated reading. You've got your own Bible, iPad, iPhone. Uh, you, can, you can follow along, get the rest of the story. 
But God did not play in the Old Testament, and I don't believe God plays today either. We have this idea that God's more of a, of a, some kind of a magician, a, a fairy tale, a, a fairy godmother. Uh, in fact, Mother Earth people kind of think that way, when the truth is God is an all-holy, all-righteous, loving God, but he also is a God of justice and a God who is bringing us to our knees to be people of prayer and people who need to surrender and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And yes, we, you need to be baptized. We're going to be doing a baptism service as soon as this is all over. But you need to start by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Admit that you need help, that you need forgiveness for your sin. Here's the story in 2 Kings chapter 1. There's a new king. And the new king is in Samaria. It's the middle of modern day Israel. It's actually in the West Bank today, what we call the West Bank, where the, uh, the Muslims are in control of that region. But there in Samaria is where the king lived. And the king is in his palace and he falls through the floor. I'll read the text to you in a minute. And he's about to die. And he decides it'd be a good idea if he prayed to the Philistine god of Baal. Actually, the lord of the flies. It's Satan. And the prophet shows up and says, so are you going to pray to him because there's no god in Israel? See, it does matter who you pray to. Because if you pray to me, you're going to get nothing. You pray to a cup, a tree, you're going to get nothing. You pray to Muhammad, you're going to get nothing. The only one you can go to is the God who's still alive. The God who did, who did die, gave himself on a cross for us, but came back from the grave. He's the only one qualified to hear your prayers and to answer those prayers. Listen, in a culture that is multicultural, I know most of you still get this, but some of you and some of the churches have so watered this down. Listen to me. We are not talking to the same God. All right? If the Muslim is praying, if the Buddhist is praying, if the Hindu is praying, if the atheist is praying, you are not praying to the same God I am. Because the scripture is very clear who God is. That Jesus is the embodiment of him. And so, well, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a God. It's a higher power. It's somebody to pray to. Oh, no, no. The right God makes all the difference in the world. So, 2 Kings chapter 1. Going to hit some highlights here. Stand out of respect for God's word. If you can, you're probably laying in bed or sitting on your couch. If you're driving, do not stand up. And uh, here we go. So we're going to hit just some verses. So you'll see I'm jumping through this. Now, Ahaziah had fallen through the lattice of his upper room. So that begs all kinds of questions. Right? Why would you walk out on a lattice floor? Was he drunk? I don't know. But there's something bad wrong with his story right off the, right off the bat. In the upper room in Samaria, central, central Israel, and he injured himself. So he sent messengers saying to them, Go and consult Beelzebub. Beelzebub, Satan, the Lord of the flies, the God of Ekron. Ekron is on the coast. Uh, it, it's, uh, it was a Philistine city. It's a part of Gaza now. And it's where the false worship was, where they worship Satan. To see if I will recover from this injury. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, 
go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, is it because there's no God in Israel that you're going off to consult Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore, this is what the Lord says. You will not leave the bed you're lying on. You will certainly die. Wow. Now, here's what happens. Then he sent to Elijah. Elijah leaves. And this king sends to Elijah a captain with his company of 50 men. The captain went to Elijah, who was sitting on the top of a hill, and he said, Man of God, the king says, come down. Elijah answered the captain, If I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. Then fire fell from heaven and consumed the captain and his men. Second group comes, same deal. One captain, 50 people. Man of God, if I'm a man of God, may fire fall, bam, we come to the third one. So the king sent a third captain with his 50 men. The third captain went up and fell on his knees before Elijah and said, Man of God, he's begging, please, please have respect for my life and the lives of these 50 men, your servants. See, fire has fallen from heaven and consumed the first two captains and all their men. But now have respect for my life. Wow. So it does matter. It does matter which God that you pray to. You need to, you need to process this information. All right? Are all gods the same? If all gods are the same, then Jesus is not truthful at all. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus alone has the answer of hope. Jesus alone offers us that opportunity. So be very careful who you pray to. In 1 Thessalonians, all right, here's a verse you can memorize. Very simple passage. Rejoice always. That's a verse. I don't know if I can memorize Scripture. Rejoice always. Another verse. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Pray always. But who you pray to makes all the difference. President Lincoln said, Oftentimes I was driven to my knees because I had nowhere else to go. Sometimes it waits until we get to a situation like we're in right now where we realize how desperately we need God. And I'm amazed at how many people just found out they're mortal. This is fascinating to me. If you don't know, you are. It is appointed, Hebrews 9, it is appointed for every man to die once and then face the judgment. And only through the blood of Jesus can your sins be forgiven. If you didn't know you're mortal, now you do. I like what Steve Brown, great... Uh, Theological teacher in Orlando does a radio show. You hear him on Z88. He says, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly until you learn how to do it correctly. And I think when it comes to prayer, a lot of people think, well, you know, I, I don't know how to pray. I don't know the right words. I don't know. Do it. Just do it. Hey, God, can we talk? It's okay. You don't have to use spiritual words. 
Read a passage of the Bible back to God. Tell him what you're thinking. Tell him what you're grateful for. Tell him what you're angry about. That's what prayer is. And you see all kinds of prayers in the scripture. So Paul says, pray continually. How do I pray continually? Well, it means that I'm just constantly connected to God. You can just be going, hey, God, thanks for the beautiful sunset. Oh, God, I just thank you for reminding me. I need to, I need to ask you to move and, and help this guy's soul. Oh, God, I, I just heard this guy's not doing real well. Would you take care of him? It doesn't have to be four hours of flowery conversation. That's what, again, so we get into that mindset. We get to thinking that way. And then we say, well, I, I, I can't do it, so I just won't pray. And Steve Brown said, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly until you learn to do it right. Now, to quote Steve Brown, you think about that. So be very careful who you pray to. But secondly, you also need to think about life and death. Again, this is incredible to me. I'm watching Dr. Fauci speak with the president the other day. And he says, well, here's the quote. He said, I know we don't know what the short term holds. I'm like, is that a revelation? Is that some kind of revelation? Did you know what next Thursday was going to be? Do you know what next Friday? No, you never did know what the short term holds. You never did. The incredible thing. The incredible thing in this whole story is that you can know about the long term goal. And that's what you've got to think about. Because listen, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to die of COVID. I don't know if I'm going to die of the leukemia that I've had for the last 12 years. More than likely, I'll get hit by a bus. But what difference does it make if I've already dealt with the life and the death issue? Dr. Fauci says, well, we don't know what the short term holds. Did you ever? You see... It's not a scare tactic. It's just reality. It's the kind of stuff you ought to be thinking about all the time. I need to be prepared for eternity. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So Jesus went to the cross, fully God, fully man. He died. He gave his life for us so that our sins could be washed away. There's the story. So let's go back to the, the picture. Right? Think about this. So the king... Because he went to the wrong God, Elijah says, you're going to die. Don't even bother sending that guy over there because I'll just tell you, God's already come to me and I just came to let you know you're going to die. So now he thinks, well, maybe if I just keep sending people to see this, this prophet. Now think about that. See, they learned later. The last guy learned. But wouldn't you think somebody would have learned? Do you remember back in 1 Kings 18 when we started this series, when Elijah prayed and fire fell from heaven and consumed the altar and the wood and the water in that great story of the prophets of Baal, the very same people this king goes to pray to? Do you remember that story? Let me assure you that all of these people would have remembered. Because at the end of that story in 1 Kings 18... 850 false prophets are killed down at the brook. Look it up. You think they would have remembered that? Oh, you bet they would have remembered it. So the captain gets ordered by the king, take your 50 men. Here's the mistake. Here's the mistake he made. 
if you are a man of God. Okay? Elijah says, well, if I'm a man of God, may fire fall from heaven. That's a bad day. Now, the second guy goes out. He knows that story from 1 Kings 18, and he knows about the first captain. He goes out and he says, hey, if you're a man of God, Elijah's just sitting on a hill. That's the beauty of the power of God. Fire falls. If you're counting, if you're keeping score, including the king, 154 people are going to die before this story's over. So maybe, you know, this would be a passage you want to clip out, put it on your fridge for your kids to memorize. It's a statement that God is not bound by what you think God is. God is gracious. God is forgiving. God is loving. But God is also just, and he is not to be played with. So the third captain goes, he goes, falls down, and begs Elijah. He begs Elijah for his life. So be very careful who you pray to. Be very careful thinking about life and death. And be very careful who you mock. Galatians 6, 7 says God will not be mocked. Now, you see people mock God all the time. They make fun of the Bible. They make fun of creation. They make fun of Noah's Ark. They make fun of the virgin birth. They make fun of the resurrection. God will not be mocked. At some point, he will square everything up. And when I watched the governor of New York, Governor Cuomo, when I watched him say, when Christians were saying, hey, God is helping us. God is changing things here in New York. And he says, God had nothing to do with it. We did it. Oh, my. That's the time to step way away from that dude. All right? That is not the position we want to be in. That, that, and I'm not picking on him necessarily, but... He made the statement, so there it is. God will not be mocked. And if this story teaches us anything, it's exactly that. Now, here's what I find fascinating. Now, we're going to do a little preaching, so buckle in. The last guy that comes begs for his life. Apparently, life meant something. Apparently his life meant something. I find it fascinating that all of a sudden, everybody's worried about their life. Nothing's more important than me living. Okay, there's some truth in that. I'm not ready to die just yet. I'm ready to die, but I'm not ready to die if you get my, if you get my gist. But, but it's astounding to me. And then the same, in the same breath, we come back and talk about that it's okay to kill unborn children. My life is valuable, but their life is not valuable. Well, see, that's how the king of Israel treated people. My life matters, but their life doesn't matter. Listen, you want to talk about an epidemic? Take a look at the numbers. Take a look at the millions, the tens of millions of children who have been killed and are continuing to be killed. Even while the church is closed, the abortion clinics are open. This guy begged for life because life mattered. So what am I saying? I'm saying you need to think about that. I'm also telling you, maybe you need to send a check to help a pregnancy crisis center. Maybe you need to volunteer. That really wasn't where I was going, but this is what they set us up with. This is what the captain did. All of a sudden, self-preservation became everything. Let me help you here. You, me, 
everyone else that's watching, we're all going to die, folks. One day, we're all going to die. It's pretty much a thing of the past. It's a thing of the present. It's a thing of the future. The question is, are you ready? And having the right God makes all the difference in the world. I want to read a, a little note I got to you. I, uh, I'm blown away, and the lady will know who she is, and thank you. She wrote this note to me. She said, Joe, I am blessed with a job and a paycheck and a healthy family. There are people who can use this stimulus money more than I can. Please fund a family or a widow and help them with this money. And included the check for $1,200. See, that's the opposite of what we've seen from a lot of people. Not mocking God, but humbly coming to God and say, how do I help? How do I be a part of the answer? I'm watching the NFL draft the other night. I would have watched it anyway, but given the current sports situation, I watched all of it. You know, what else are you going to do, right? It was the closest thing to sport, that and the Michael Jackson deal on Sunday night and Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan. Um, I'd watch Michael Jackson too, but anyway, uh, but so I'm watching and I'm, I know, and I'm watching this draft and I'm watching the, you know, the families and they're sitting waiting to get called and then the excitement when their name gets called. Let me ask you to think about this for a minute. When this is all over, however, however we go, whether I go in an accident, whether I, whether I go through a disease, whether I'm 112 or whether I'm 57, it doesn't matter. But when it's all over and I'm standing before the judgment of God, God's going to be calling names. And I want you to think about how cool it's going to be. I'll be on my face before God, and I will hear Jesus say, Joseph Dale Pudding, it will be the greatest moment of my life greatest moment of my eternity. Now I want you to imagine your friend, your neighbor, your family member who they don't know Jesus. And they'll be on their face, but their name will never get called. And their place is in the lake of fire. Look it up. I didn't make this up. It's in Revelation 20. I want you to think about that. That's why it's so important that the church be the church right now. Maybe you need to accept Jesus. That's where it's got to start. Maybe if you are, you, you forward this thing on to other people that need to hear the good news that Jesus loves them and Jesus died for them. I don't know where you are in this story, but I know this. Praying to the right God, believing in the right God, following the right God makes all the difference in the world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for an incredible passage of Scripture, reminding us that not only do you forgive, do you care about life, but you are also just. You're also a God who brings judgment. And I'm not saying you sent this disease, but for whatever reason, it is running its course. And maybe it's to get our attentions, to call ourselves back to the God who is different from all other, other gods. The name that is above all other names. The name of Jesus. As Paul said, that one name that every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And Lord, our desire as a church is for everybody to be able to have that moment where they hear their name called by the Savior 
of the world. In Jesus' name.